This is No Starving Artist Podcast. You deserve a successful creative life. I'm Anissa Benitez, a marketing expert at top companies and creative journeyer. I'm here to support your creative wellness, financially, mentally, and spiritually. Share with me your questions and I'll share perspective. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is about cultivating our creativity under constraint. I know that this pandemic period is definitely going to be more extensive than a lot of people anticipated and there's still room to be really creative. I think I've talked historically a lot about creativity in the capacity of being a little bit more far and wide, really kind of being playful and bouncing around and making space to do things faster, to go wider, to reach further. But creativity is also bouncing in place. And now is definitely a time where it's necessary to do that, to go deeper rather than go wider, to delve more deeply into cultivating creativity with the current constraints that we have or in creating new constraints. Constraint is actually a really powerful source to be more creative. So we'll explore what that actually looks like. Our agenda for today's episode is first kind of a culture, kind of an update from our No Starving Artist community, but more of a personal story update. Segment two will be our culture rec, where I will be sharing four ways to cultivate creativity with constraints. So actually imposing maybe even additional constraints on us to be more deeply creative. And then our last segment will be three considerations from me to do when you try these. Um, As always, please share your creative journey, updates, challenges you're facing. It'd be amazing to hear your stories and have them shared with other people as our creative journeys, though they're nuanced and they're slightly unique, they're so shared. And so it'd be valuable to hear from your experiences. And now we can hear your voice with it too, which is perfect. So it's basically just like leaving a voicemail. I ask that you just introduce yourself, but don't share any strong identifiers. And um, yeah, and reach me at anchor.fm backslash no starving artist backslash message. So this link is included in this show notes. So you can look at that and excited to hear from you. So a general sentiment that I've been hearing from many people, not just you all in the No Starving Artist community, but even personally myself is just how do I maintain creativity during this time? This pandemic's going to last a while. I thought this was temporary, but uh, I don't know about this. So you may feel like you're spinning in circles. Maybe you feel like you're in the same routine or pattern, or you feel like things are just getting mundane or uninspiring. And there's still opportunity to see maybe a lack of opportunity to change this lack of freedom with new eyes. There's maybe an abundance, maybe you're experiencing an abundance of free time, which might make the actual constraint of urgency not there in the way that 
um, it normally would be. And so we have to create false urgency sometimes. It's fun to allow certain levels of constraint to push us to go deeper. There's always more to explore. If you think something's uninteresting, maybe you haven't gone deep enough. And so creativity is so fun to go far and wide and bounce innovative ideas off random branches and, you know, play in that way. But there's so much in going deeper. And I know, yeah, previous episodes, I've definitely been a big advocate of creative wellness and taking creative practices and using them for self-care. So really, when you're feeling anxious, have to plug the podcast episode around turning our anxiety into creativity. That's a really good episode to lean into. And this approach involves taking any creative practice and making it fun so maybe one day that's dancing one day that's journaling one day that's photography and finding playfulness in it experimenting switching it up and when that creative practice starts to feel like work it starts to feel like chore and not something that's you're approaching to just have fun and play with and relieve stress then it's time to switch switch to something new and under that approach it's definitely on the bounce around side rather than the diving deeper though there is some overlap anyways this week I was on the phone with a friend and we are both very much achiever types she perhaps more so and this period of social distancing has been a period of forced stillness stillness for her in that yeah she's just felt physically geographically constrained she's really into hiking and camping and she took herself solo camping the other week, which was very awesome, you know, just awesome to hear, and yeah, I feel so the same, I haven't ventured far out of my one mile mate radius in in Brooklyn, I can count the number of times in one hand, it's crazy in the last five, four months, wild, similarly, she's so into hiking and camping, and she feels like she's doing the same trails, you know, just the monotony of like doing the same trail when she has what she calls a conqueror complex (laughs) she wants to conquer new mountains she wants to see new sites you know really take on the land however yeah just constraint as far as geographics and so she's adjusting to taking some of the same trails and then maybe mixing in doing that same trail plus a new one and when she's hiking and she's doing this she's actually she was sharing that she's noting this difference this difference from when she's on a familiar trail and how her body feels when she's walking along that path and the birds are chirping and she's more at ease and she's taking in the smells and the senses around her and she's a bit more present. And then when she's on a new trail, she's a bit more stressed. She's a bit more on edge and exploring and, you know, it's very much feeding a little bit more adrenaline, but there's also this kind of a a lack of presence because in the trail she's familiar with there's opportunity for more pattern recognition to see the same sites and to notice the subtleties of how those spaces have changed versus in the new space it's all unfamiliar um it's all you know just a little bit more adrenaline pumping and and there's a bit more of a rush from it but there's something to doing what's familiar. I'm the type of person who actually hated watching the movies, reading the same books, and I've been going through phases actually doing that. The repetition of things used to be a huge turn off from 
for me because I, I love to collect new experiences. I really do. I'm so addicted to it. It's so nice to just have new experiences constantly. But there's just so much value too in when it comes to just rewatching, noticing similarities or new things that you didn't pick up on previously in, in books and in movies. So that's what this time has been a little bit more for me. You know, it's cultivating patience, but it's also the creative mindset to be able to see the same things in a new way. Being creative and being deeply engaged, uh, I think is so powerful. Maybe that's creating certain constraints and we'll get into maybe you have to set a one minute timer and try a new sketch or say you're photographing in a particular location and that's your creative practice of photography but how can you go back and revisit that same location so often we just want to see new territories new lands if you err on that side there's so much power in observing subtleties nuances and spaces in ourselves so in our inner worlds in the outer worlds it can bring a sense of calm and ease second times around third times around fourth times around and so today's topic really want to delve into creativity and the cultivation of that under constraints because nurturing that playfulness within ourselves and it also we can have that playfulness within guardrails, within strong constraints, in, in layered constraints, and constraints on constraints. It can be a potent way to manufacture even more heightened creativity. We don't always have to try new things, bounce here, bounce there, see more life. Uh, this is definitely a period of stillness for so many of us. And so let's dive into the four ways to cultivate deeper creativity under constraint. As some of you know, I founded More By Her, a platform to dismantle the starving artist stigma. Each week, we share a new story of creative women shaping culture on Wednesdays, Wisdom Drop Wednesdays, for those who identify as women, non-binary, she, her, they, them, thriving artists who are willing to give transparency on their creative journey and how they do it. Follow us at morebyher.com or on Instagram at more underscore by underscore her. So our culture rec for this second segment is called The Love Affair Between Creativity and Constraint, and it's a TEDx Newark Academy Talk by Tess Callahan. You can find it on YouTube. And yeah, it's a really good one. Only 11 minutes, super quick, but powerful because she truly deeply believes that the greatest creativity comes from constraint. Four kinds of constraint that you can apply to yourselves is what I'm going to share. One way that you can constrain yourself to foster more creativity is first to adhere to form. By adhering to form, we keep our consciousness on, you know, kind of this limitation. So an example of this, of adhering to a certain form or certain format, that might be a template, 
of some kind. Maybe you're creating music and you're following a certain format of song. Maybe it's the hook and then it's, you know, the first part and then it's another hook and whatever it be. In this video, she shares um, reference to poetry. And I think a good example is also, you know, instead of writing a poem, the attraction to writing a haiku. Because when you write a haiku, which is a traditional Japanese type of poem that consists of three phases, uh, you have a 575 pattern. So that's as far as how many yeah, syllables are in each. So first line can have five, then you have seven, then you have five. And when you write a poem, constraining to that form, to that pattern, might help you be more creative because you know that you have to take whatever message you want to share as grandiose as it is as expansive as it is as it's complex it's so deep but you have to distill it into five seven five pattern and there's so many other ways and examples of the way that you can apply that same mindset of needing constraint to a certain form you know it's working within the canvas you can't go and paint onto the walls how do you actually work within the constraint of that canvas really adhere to form. Number two, limiting your materials. So this is a very common one I'm thinking for many people as, you know, you can't go out of the house or you can go out of the house, but you're limited as to how far geographically you can go. Uh, an example that she shares within this TEDx talk that I appreciated was as far as working with the materials you have in your vicinity, working very locally, she cites Andy Goldsworthy as a prolific sculptor who had used only site-specific materials, which is actually very sustainable. And so rather than carving out of some you know, very exotic material from imported from somewhere, it's just working with wood, working with whatever's next door, working with what's in your, what's in arm's reach and how that can be used. Maybe things that you already own. I used to love to sew my own clothing, but I'd often just take existing materials and clothing that I had and re, re-sew it, remodel it, redesign it till it looked and fitted me better until I liked it. And so those subtle things can make a huge difference. Um, there's another example she shared in this TEDx talk of this Japanese poet whose first and native tongue is Japanese and felt very constrained in the language of English, but decided to wrote, write their poetry in English only and then translate it back into Japanese. And this formed a new style of writing for them. And so I think that's another powerful way to think about limiting our materials limiting our materials in a very physical sense, right? When it comes to me redesigning clothing or a sculptor using what's in the vicinity of their forest or wherever they are to actually, and I love, I love the example. I think the first thing that comes to mind too for me is cooking. <laughs> I'm constantly in my kitchen just like all right, I got some pasta sauce, I got this, I got that. How can I make a meal of this? Uh, we do this all the time. So how do you work within those limited materials to create things that are your passions, that are creating things that are closer to the things that you want to share in the world that you're focused on really developing and sharing out? Three, seek out incongruity. 
So she says incongruity, but I don't see very many things that are incongruent. I think a lot of things can coexist, but are commonly not meshed, right? So I think she also has the same approach. An example of citing is Hamilton, the musical, where Lin-Manuel Miranda combines history, U.S. history, with hip-hop, something that's not commonly combined. And at the intersection of history and hip-hop, we see this amazing musical. We see how dynamic it can be and um, a deeper story that can be shared there. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of criticism about Hamilton. There's a lot of lovers of Hamilton. I think it's a great, good example of intersectionality. And when things work together in that kind of like opposition, it's just, it's beautiful. It it shows you how cohesive they truly are. I Some of my favorite music is cross, I'd say cross genre of jazz and hip hop. So super soothing and then also super hard hitting. I love that contrast. It's like sweet and sour. It's salty and sweet popcorn. It's all these good things with cooking. It comes out so powerfully, sweet and sour sauce, all these things, pickles with popcorn. So much room for innovation, so much room for exploration when we take things, two things that we love, and see how they mesh together. See what's formed out of that. So seek out incongruity and see how you can play with that. And then last but not least, number four is time constraints. So even though you feel maybe that you have an abundance of free time at your hands, at your will, um, during this period of social distancing perhaps, you feel the days are rolling into just rolling into each other. Still, creating constraints. Maybe that's routining our time, having limited creative work time, or even more specifically, creating one minute constraints maybe for a sketch. I have to do a one minute sketch of this person. I have to do a one minute sketch of them again. I have to do a one minute sketch of them again and and see how each one of those sketches comes out a little bit more differently each time. One minute sketch of a still life, one minute sketch of that, one minute photograph challenge, one day video challenge, capture something really amazing. How can I make and choreograph a dance in this amount of time? There's so many ways that we can approach creating time constraints and actually increasing the motor speed of our creative output because it's really validating to do that process of doing and seeing that we can create obviously having the patience to work on some projects longer term is so powerful too but you know that kind of churning the output the rhythm of it can be so helpful so those are the four ways to increase maybe our creativity using constraints one, adhering to form, two, limiting the materials, three, seeking out incongruity, and four, time constraints. Now I want to share three things to consider when approaching and applying maybe these techniques of constraint on top of our creativity, because I think that There's room to turn more into our outer world and also turn really deeply into our inner world and see what's feeding us. So I'm going to use myself as an example because I'm just the use case I know best. But please insert yourself as the example. Think about your creative work, your things that you're envisioning sharing with the world and how they apply, taking these into consideration. So 
these three considerations are one. Define your constraint. So I shared four ways that you can constrain yourself to be creative, but actually clearly define that for yourself before approaching the task. So you want to define the constraint, but also define the freedom. Where do you have room to play? So a fun warm-up exercise and game that you might be familiar with um, is a squiggle game where you can basically, with a group of people, you know, squiggle something on a piece of paper. And then everybody has to turn that squiggle into a bird. And so everybody passes around squiggles to each other. And, you know, you see how people can turn these squiggles on a piece of paper into birds. And by the end, you see that people have created tons of unique birds from just these simple lines. We are really able to, you know, see this constraint of this line, but know that we have the freedom to create any kind of bird that we want and how that can create room to play. As an example, with my acting work, I've been doing self-tape auditions for roles. They're not super prevalent that these productions are actually starting again and such, but, you know, every so often, which is maybe the twice a week I'm memorizing lines for a self-tape audition once a week, twice a week. Anyways, I'm physically limited to certain technical standards because you want your audition tape to be really strong and so you want strong lighting, you want the audio to be really clear, so I have a mic, you want the backdrop to be super plain, so those are the technical issues. So I feel as far as professionalism, the way I show up kind of looks the same, but a creative freedom of mine, uh, aside from those, is how I dress. I can dress more to character. I can try to envision what the actual character would dress like and see what's in my closet, what I can play around with to actually embody that character a little bit more. So so that's my room for freedom and that's been fun. So one consideration is define your constraint and then also define your freedom. Two, practice that pattern recognition inward and outward. So actually noting the subtle details that you're picking up really noting them so if you're fostering creativity through recognizing patterns and just really observing just like in a lot of detective novel novels or detective fiction you might find motifs you might find familiarities and premise and it's just so powerful to see how you can sharpen the ability to pick these up more quickly how you can sharpen the ability to see these patterns. So just like studying math, you can study nature, you can study art in a similar fashion. In regards to my acting work as a use case, um, I've been, yeah, doing these self-tape auditions and it's doing it over and over again. But when I am in this process of self-recording myself, it's been nice to look back on my recordings side by side and note compare and contrast what I like what I don't like oh maybe that one's too expressive I should have been a little bit more restricted with my face oh that one's a little too me looking less confident than I am that one I'm looking a little away from camera I notice all these subtle patterns in these side by side audition tapes and what it allows me to do is actually move closer to the character and move closer to a performance that I feel is strongly representative of what the 
writers want and what I want. Um, and so that's fun. So two, practice pattern recognition. Note the subtle details. And then this one's deeply inward. Three consideration is differentiation of what interests and energizes you and what does not. Really tune into that in this process. Maybe you decide, oh, I love doing one-minute sketches. I don't really want to spend multiple months working on one, you know, drawing. Maybe I just want to do these splash paintings. I don't want to be a painter that spends years working on one piece. Really understanding what brings you energy, what doesn't bring you energy, etc. So powerful. Things that light you up inside and give you natural energy is what you want to lean into. When you can function from that place, that's functioning from a place of love, not functioning from a place of chore, this is a work, this is a, you know, this is my livelihood, I got to do this, makes it so much easier when your life becomes more and more and more so. Things that bring you natural joy boost your energy and help nurture your, your creativity. An example for me of this is, yeah, probably like TikTok. I get a lot of my energy from just playing around, messing with that little app and um in the process of actually setting up my self-tapes also I've been so aware of what actually I do like and I don't like in that process right so in the process of me setting up my self-tapes I'm actually you know pulling out the equipment adjusting the lighting multiple times setting up the backdrop I'm going through the routine of that and I don't enjoy it that's my least favorite part of it all (laughs) like really just the technical setup and all the details but there's people who have such a strong knack for that who love being behind the scenes working on grip working on lighting they have more of that perfectionist quality to get the things right I don't care I was like I was gonna curse there but I really just genuinely I don't care like I care when it looks on camera So I do adjust it, but it's like laborious. I feel how it's internally taxing for me to be more of a perfectionist in that technical realm. However, I actually do love filming and I do love directing and I could see myself moving into like cinematography and videography, not just enjoying the acting piece of things. I get natural energy. It interests me to explore different ways I can use my camera and so... I play with that outside of self-tape stuff because it's just so restricted there. So, yeah, ultimately, number three, differentiation of what interests you, what energizes you. And to recap, number one was define your constraint, but also your freedom. Two, practice pattern recognition. Notice those subtle details. And three, understand the differentiation between what's really interesting you and, and energizing you and what does not. Awesome. I hope this episode is helpful, helps reinvigorate your sense of energy, your inspiration, your creativity. I hope you find more ways to add more constraints to your creative process and see how that challenges you, how it pushes you further, deeper, hopefully a lot deeper into your creative practice. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. I'm so grateful to be here for you all. I'm so excited to hear your stories uh, and your voices more specifically. Again, the link where you can record your voice mail to share with us is at anchor 
anchor.fm backslash no starving artist backslash message and this link is included in the show notes please as always tell a friend about this podcast that's how it grows period please leave a review share it on social i'd love to hear what you're liking i'm at anisa benitez on instagram follow the wisdom of many thriving creative women and non-binary people at morebyher.com you are no starving artist you are a creative even under constraint type of artist and i'm so grateful to be learning and growing with you i appreciate you